0: It's time to get inside the Giants Huddle. Let's go back to your huddle on Giants.com.
1: Tempo tempo, tempo. and the
2: Giants Mobile. Go go
1: go, Part go of the
2: Giants Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Giants Huddle Podcast, our special preview of the Giants and Cowboys. You can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, your favorite podcast platforms. Today, we're going to talk to Giants head coach, Joe Judge. We're going to have Mickey Spagnuolo from DallasCowboys.com to preview the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to talk to Giants starting center, Billy Price. And now we're joined by
3: Giants starting center, Billy
2: Price. Billy, good to talk to you, man. How are you?
3: Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, Doing well, just getting off the field right now. And we are uh, another good week of prep heading into Dallas.
2: All right, so your offensive line group now finally after the first, you know, seven, eight weeks of the season where it seemed like you had a different kind, a different spot, you guys have kind of been together now with most of the guys in the same spots for a good handful of weeks. How do you feel like the group is coming together and the progress you've made over that
3: time? I think there's been tremendous progress. Offensive line is is all about continuity and understanding and the chemistry and understanding how each guy plays, how each guy sees the defense and how we attack certain blocks. Uh, I got to give a lot of credit to Coach Sale, Coach Wilkerson, uh, Coach Flats. I mean, think about it. There were nine of us who were not here in training camp, and as we have progressed through in the, throughout this season, I mean, we've come together. We've had different guys through injuries, different guys with some rotational stuff. Um, guys have stepped in. We've handled what we had to. You know, again, uh, fans may say one thing, but I think that you know what's going on in our room is we're continuing to make progress, and even at, even at this late point in the season, just coming off of playing LA, had a lot of really good things that we can build upon. So, um, very encouraged. Uh, proud of the group, and we've, and we've still got things to continue to grow to.
2: So let's talk about L.A. I thought you guys probably ran the ball as well as you have all year. Saw so a lot of holes, a lot of room for your guys to run. Why do you think you guys were able to, to create as much space as you did against that Chargers defense? Uh,
3: I mean, first and foremost, it's about execution. Again, you you look at the front up there. Again, you've got uh, Ochanan Nwosu, Joey Bosa, uh, Jerry Tillery. Again, the big guy in there, uh, Limbaugh Joseph. There's some big... Big fellows inside there, and it's about execution and physically uh, moving a man against his will, and, and creating those lanes and creating those those avenues for the running backs to hit, um, and it, and being in coordination with your running backs and how they what their reads are, especially on certain concepts and how we run the ball. You know they hit those hill, they hit those holes, they hit it with demeanor they or they hit it with some attitude, and again you start seeing those four five plus yard runs that again it wears on the defense coming in late third quarter fourth quarter where you start seeing chunk runs hit. Are you getting a feel for how Saquon wants to run the ball now? Uh, I think he's. I think it's kind of both. Again, I think Saquon understands how we block, and I think how we understand what Saquon really likes. Uh, again, we, when we played the Eagles and Saquon had a very long run um, off of a draw play that we ran, and you know, he's one of those guys who likes the jump cut. He likes the yep. cut, and all of a sudden now you've got space on the edge, and he's one on one with the corner and. For everybody in America, you need to take that matchup. Like Saquon Barkley against a corner, whomever that corner is, you put your money and you put the house money on Saquon every time. So understanding how that again, and even week two playing in Washington, you see what Saquon the same kind actually it was the same play. Yeah. Boom, right up the side there. He likes the jump cut. He likes that um, that elusiveness, that matchup, and that's how he was in college. You know, I was blessed to be able to watch him play on the opposite side of the on the offense. Um, but he was the same style of runner. Uh, you know, I think Saquon's a very strong runner. And understanding what we are what our strengths are up front and we're able to complement each other on those things and get him into premier matchups so
2: when you have a guy like that that will jump cut maybe take an extra second in the backfield to try to create space or see what's going on and is so good when there is space around them how does that change the way you guys have to go about your business blocking up certain things in certain run schemes guys,
3: you got you to sit on it a little longer um, and again it all starts up with the guys up front I know uh, first series it was one of the plays we were running a, or we we're running a play um, Ball hits inside there, you know, but you got to stay on it a little bit longer because Saquon's vision takes it, and all of a sudden, oh, now he sees it, boom, you're on it. And then all of a sudden that matchup and that timing of me getting to the second level or a tackle or a guard getting to the second level, and that's where really he sees that, he trusts you, and I think, again, it's all about trust and continuity. That process hits, and he's, you know, one-on-one with even a safety at that point. Again, it's all chips in on that point.
2: What's your bread and butter right now? You think is an offensive line. If you need three yards on a run, what do you want to run that you think
3: this line blocks up the best? I really do. I personally, I like our tight zone and I like our duo play. But um, again, a duo play is, is is power without no without any pullers. There's two do, two combination blocks. Again, the, the the read for the back, you know, front side to back side. You know, typical stuff. Um, and just
2: real quick for fans to understand that's basically when you say duo you get two double teams and then that second lineman tries to get to the second level
3: right to the linebacker the alignment Mm -hmm. of defensive lineman and I think that and our tight zone our our open side tight zone is, is really good for us right now and we've seen a lot of success on it the backs trust us with it and again we start we get the surge we get the mash and you know it's it's mano y mano, you know, and we, we we played Philly and we ran that play a couple times and it's me on Javon, Javon Hargrave. It's Will Hernandez and, and Nate Solder on Fletcher Cox getting to those linebackers, but it's, again, it's all execution. You talked about working
2: with Matt Score and Will Hernandez. either the guys have kind of been next to you. You had been earlier in the year, then he's battled some injuries since. You know, you talk about working those combination blocks and stuff. Can you just describe what that feel is where it's nonverbal, but you kind of communicate with each other over the course of the play without using words
3: yeah absolutely and it's all based on linebacker leverage uh, again you've got to be able to feel one another um your footwork has to be uh in unison to what you what the accomplishment is and what who assumes going to be coming off on that block there's a lot of nonverbal communication immediately when it comes down to it again where's our linebacker who we're working to what's the, the concept of the uh the play concept and just kind of go from there but again it takes time uh take the coaching from coach sale and how we we approach these things And on Sunday, you see good things.
2: All right, let's stick with the team concept. You talk about the run game. Let's talk about pass protection a little bit. You guys, I think over the course of the year, have seen a lot of these tackle-tackle twists. Teams love to, to move guys around. They bring the linebacker late, loop them around, stuff like that. What's the key for your communication as well in working together to try to seal some of those off?
3: Well, the big thing is for the center, obviously, to get on the same, same level as your guards. Again, you're able to pass off stunts and to not be mired in, to not play, to play long and not get your head involved into some of these things because if you are able to see it with your vision, pass it off to your guards. Uh, but first and foremost, everybody has to know who and what we're working to, what is the concept of the protection, and to be on the same page of that. That is the most important key. And if everybody, if all five of us are on the same page, usually good things happen. So then it comes down to, again, playing with length, make sure your head's not getting mired in um and just working with your guards and that chemistry and we've done a better job we still have to improve on it um but we're, we're heading in the right direction with that
2: all right before we get to the Cowboys specifically you personally how long did it you got here late right you weren't here in the offseason you weren't here for most training camp how long did it take you to really as the center have a feel for this system you know you talked about the continuity with the offensive line but calling protections working with the quarterbacks a lot goes into
3: it yeah um so say probably first four games was a little rocky. Um, again, I think that, and that's part of uh, Dallas week, whatever we play them the first time we played them. Yeah, Dallas. it was week five you played them, yep. Yeah, it was um, a lot of stuff going on. Um, but again, as you get through this, and again, you get into different defenses and how we're still running our base plays, our base concepts, and how what, what our adjustments are to them, it's very similar across the league. So being able that I had three years in Cincinnati, understanding how that offense translates to this and the similarities to it helped me continue to grow through this offense, that missing an OTA is missing four weeks of training camp. So being comfortable with it, probably about going into week five, week six. Uh, And then again, you've got a backup quarterback coming in. Mike Glennon played for a little bit. Uh, Guards kind of rotated a little bit. And so you've got to make sure that you are the rock. You are the centerpiece. You drive what's going on. Um, and i got to give a big shout-out. Obviously, Andrew Thomas is a phenomenal player, but a guy who is able to see the defense with me, mm. and if there are adjustments and things that he sees on the edge there, he's able to alert them and uh, communicate efficiently to me so that we can see things, anticipate things better. Interesting, because usually you
2: fee- I wouldn't think it would be a tackle at the end of the line, mm-hmm. it, it, and then you have Nate, of course, at right tackle. Yep. He's been doing this forever, right? Yeah, and Nate, so,
3: Nate as well. I mean, I, I, sorry to not to no, not that's fine. for it. But having your tackles be able to see both things and the, the – the, correct calls that come from them, it's its a game changer.
2: And is that after you guys get in formation? Are you talking about like on the sideline in the huddle, or is that after you
3: guys see the defense, they will then communicate to you what they see? Right. After the, what you see and again, coverages will start to rotate a little Interesting. bit. Defenses start to unwind a little bit. Their alignments change a little bit. Linebackers get wide. Everything is a telltale sign. Late movement, right? Point. Absolutely. Interesting. And, and based on film study, what does that team do? Again, I think that, you know, obviously the Chiefs, the Chiefs were a, a team that did a lot of outside stuff. Um, a lot of was, corner blitzes or something, yeah. yeah. But we come into Dallas here, they like to do some stuff. Uh, again, and, and even Miami, think about Miami with the zero coverage. Again, where was, you know, Brandon Jones? Where were some of these corners and how that affected our game plan and how it affected our pass protection?
2: I, I, I love the idea of setting protections in pass pro. People say, John, I understand. I go, yeah, I'm a football nerd. I think it's fascinating. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun this week, right? Or maybe fun's the wrong word. It's going to be a challenge this week. Yeah, that's, that's you know, fun. we saw last week, I watched that Dallas game earlier in the week on the All-22 and they almost created a five man line, right? They bring Mike Micah Parsons. He's going to be right in your grill in this game on some plays. Um, can you just talk to fans how, when a team brings those five guys up, how that kind of forces you to set protection a certain way without giving away state secrets, obviously, no, no, no. but how that can help force and dictate what you guys have to do based
3: on their pre snap alignment? Uh, I think Dallas has got a very unique personnel grouping over there. Um, and they, they'll even get into a personnel grouping of 5 1, where Micah Parsons is a linebacker and you've got five freaky athletes sitting in front of you um you know uh, lawrence gallimore um gregory Smith, gregory mm-hmm. and again the uh the rookie out of ucla I, they're phenomenal players they really truly truly are and you've got micah parsons back there and again it's either it's just one-on-one with the back or you know that ball's got to get out now so it, it creates a unique unique structure uh yeah. <laughs> again what they're trying to do is get the offensive line go 5 five on five and somebody's got to win a one-on-one matchup And uh, it's those guys get paid a lot of money, honestly, and it makes it a very it's a very difficult challenge. But again, you see great offensive line being able to protect that, and again, quarterbacks are being able to hit their routes, give the quarterback enough time, hit their routes, and again, that's when you start when you burn them a couple times, they get out of it. So that's what the goal is. That's what the goal is. And then other times, right, they have
2: Parsons up there, and you don't want to wind up with your back on him, right? So you have to set your protections so you make sure you have an offensive lineman on him, but then that can create an opportunity for the defense and maybe bring somebody else from
3: elsewhere to create a situation for you. At some point, the running back's going to have to block Micah Parsons. Yep. (laughs) At a certain point point in time, again, and, you know, give a lot of respect to Micah. I think Mm -hmm. he's a phenomenal player. Got to play him when he was at Penn State when he was young. Um, You know, he's a player. Everybody is still human. Everybody of course, and It's one of those aspects is running back's going to have to have to step up here. Your offensive lineman's got to step up here. I've got to step up here. So it's – you don't let somebody wreck your game and you don't try to change the game plan for for them. But every protection and every different personnel grouping does present its own challenges.
2: Yeah, you, you talk about hitting that and the forces them to get out of it. You know, they play a lot of press man, even on early downs, and they'll bring pressure, force their quarterback, get the ball out quick. So is that a situation, I know you're not really necessarily part of the receiving game here, but could that be a combination of quick pass, short pass, catch and run, and over the top? Or is it the over the top stuff that's really going to get them out of that sort of thing? Well,
3: you look at the Oakland game, they didn't get out of it. You know, they Mm -hmm. went man on and all of a sudden you got four PIs against uh, number 34 out there. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson was taken deep, yep. Then that's what you've got. You've got weapons out there. And I think, you know, it's going to present a great matchup and great opportunities for, you know, Guys like Sterling Shepard, um, um, Kenny Galladay, Slayton, those guys who are going to be able to take advantage of that. And there's going to be times, you know, you got to catch and run. you got to beat a guy, and next yeah. thing you know, it's a, it's a plus-ten-yard explosive play, and you're able to get those guys out of that. Because, again, hey, we got burned here, and if you get burned twice, you know, that, that, that is game-changing. That is momentum swinging. So it's an opportunity, again, for our running backs. It's a great opportunity for us to protect up front. And I know that uh, the offensive coaches are going to do a great job and make sure that we're in those situations, and we've got to execute.
2: Do you guys know the route combination on a certain play so you know how long you're going to have to hold that block? Or if you know what's a short deal, you can short set a maybe and then create a little – you're laughing, like, so you can cut a maybe to create a little passing lane. How much are you guys aware of what the route combinations are
3: based on how you want to approach a certain play when you're blocking it up? Um, I will say that the routes and the protection that complement each other, mm-hmm. um, there are certain routes that I know cue off to my head as a center, understanding what the offense is and how routes are kind of set up. Um, I learned that in Cincinnati based on, um, you know, coaches that are over there and how the offenses and play calling is kind of structured. Sure. Um, so it does, they complement each other, uh. I know in Cincinnati we used to have we had a play call. It's called Gravedigger Digger, and it's, we're, we're, we're going to the house on that one. So it's protected a little bit long because you're putting somebody in a grave. so And it was you know, a high cross over the top there, and it was uh, pretty successful during training camp. So it was one of those you kind of pay attention to what's the ones that – and the ones that offensive linemen, this could be a shot and this could be a very short series for you. You pay attention to those ones because you really, <laughs> hey, I want to hit that ball, and I'm, you know, I'm getting off the sideline here because we just scored. So, um, but they complement each other.
2: What has it been like playing with Mike Glennon and making that transition from from Daniel to Mike? Uh,
3: I mean, Mike's been very, very intelligent. I mean, how long has he been the pros? Ten yeah. plus years, long time. Nine plus years, etc. He's got great poise. I you know a tough, a tough situation getting thrown in there to Dallas, you know, and I didn't realize the true, what these rivalries are here in the NFC East. It's, it is legitimate, um, you know, and the AFC North. I'd say very similar, were, right? Yeah, but it's different here. Really? Is it's, it even
2: more intense than like Bengals, Browns and stuff like that? It's worse. Uh,
3: it's, it's different. It's huh. different. It is. different. It's different ball. Um, you know, it, I'll just leave it at that. It's different here. Um, and playing Dallas and all the stunts and all the different coverages and the spectacular athletes they have over there and what we have. Um, and just that situation of the game at that point, it was just, it's a tough situation. And for him to come in, have poise in the pocket, understand the huddle, keep us on track and keep us with doing what we had to do. And and he's just an incredible, um, leader in that quarterback room. And I think, you know, obviously having him behind us is, uh, It's good. He's gotten to a nice rhythm here in the last couple weeks and being able to kind of get us into the correct checks. Uh, He and I are on the same page. Again, we've got protection meetings and all kinds of stuff. Uh, The offensive line is involved, so we see what he sees. So the more people on the same page, the better off you are.
2: Final question. You know, I already asked about Michael Parsons. You mentioned Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Greger. We talked about them a lot already on this pregame show, on this podcast. You did mention the tackles earlier. Oh, Degizua, who's the rookie out of UCLA. UCLA. Then you have Neville Gavin with Gallimore, who's a very talented young guy. Yeah,
3: played him at OU, and he was injured last game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Talk about their defensive tackles and the stuff yeah. they do, just from even from a schematic point and from a physical standpoint. Those guys and what kind of challenges they bring to you as the center, trying to help out your guards and, and set everything up in there.
3: Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you're hitting you're hitting a the spot there. Um, you know, I didn't play very well this last game here. I think we were we were doing a couple things and. Um, my mind was elsewhere and you know obviously first and foremost is protection and making sure that you're not ever compensating and making sure that you're blocking your assignment so that's the key um, you know Carlos Watkins a savvy vet in there uh, number 97 got a lot of twitch to him a lot of twitch to him I, I struggled on some of the back blocks last time um, you know he's, he provides a great challenge I mean he's a <laughs> he got them fresh legs nice rookie you know it's, it's going to be a different challenge as they come up here and it's going to be nice and chilly and it's it's as I live in Dallas in the offseason, it's gonna be nice. <laughs> it's gonna be nice for these boys to come up here, and it, it ain't 80 degrees. It's gonna be hopefully it's 30, and I hope it snows. Um, but those guys inside and the TT twist and, and being able to set those those games up, uh, they do a very nice very nice job, and it is smooth. I think the best and the most challenging of those twists inside are when guys are able to kind of not really have to set you up, stand you up. And it's just smooth like butter. And these guys, you know, all of a sudden the tackle's picking my hip, pressing me, and the other, and the three techniques going over the top, and it's just smooth. And next thing you know, you got almost two free runners. Um, they do a great job of that. Uh, and I think they do a great job of that in coordination with their linebackers as well. Again, you'll go TT with a will plug. Next thing you know, you've got three guys, and, you know, you've got to be in coordination with your three interior guys to pass, to pass that off. So uh, a great challenge. Again, a lot of respect for those guys. And again, as you see their depth chart, all them boys are playing. Yeah. yeah they rotate defensive linemen like, like 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 crazy so and that's that's what the nfl is so um having all four guys in there five guys in there that can do that it presents a great challenge
2: and and then the key to that too right is identifying based on formation pre-snap when and where that stuff could be coming from right
3: yeah uh i wouldn't necessarily say so much formation but more personnel personnel really personnel interesting group. you okay. go base you go nickel big nickel dime personnel what do they like to do what are their tendencies um, there's a lot of there's a lot of study into into what goes into a game plan on Sunday, and again, the more the more people up front that know, the better off you are.
2: Billy, this was fascinating. I had a lot of fun getting to know you, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Welcome to the Center's Life. <laughs> <laughs> that's Giant Center Billy Price. Hey, Giant fans, secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only 100 bucks. Limited seats are available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888 NYG 1925. Now let's go inside the Cowboys and Mickey Spagnola. He talks to our very own Lance Meadow and Paul Dettino. The Giants and Cowboys meet for the second
1: time this season on Sunday at MetLife Stadium after Dallas won the first matchup in Week 5, 44-20. And to get more into the Cowboys, we're now joined by Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dettino here. Always good to talk with you. Appreciate the time. How's everything on your end?
4: Uh, Pretty good. Appreciate it, Lance, Paul. Good to talk with you guys.
1: Well, normally we'd be talking about the Cowboys' defense, it seems, Mickey, in previous years. It seems now entering this game, it's the offense that actually has been put under the microscope. I want to start there. Ever since Dak returned from the calf injury, a lot has been discussed that maybe the offense is not necessarily putting the same amount of points on the board. We saw the Raiders game on Thanksgiving. They had 36, one for six in the red zone against Washington. What do you make, if at all, if this Cowboys' offense is in a slump, as some people are referring to?
4: Well, obviously they haven't been scoring at a rate that they, I think, spoiled people with early in the season, which is kind of a a weird thing because it's indicative of how well they were playing offensively early. You know, they were the number one offense, number one scoring offense, and even after this, as you use the word quote-unquote slump, now they're the number two scoring offense and the number (laughs) two total offense. So, uh, that tells you how far ahead they were of uh, everyone else when uh, you know in the, in the last couple games, uh, you know they they've the offense part of it has scored no more than 20 points, and against Kansas City they scored nine. But then there was a couple games in there that got overlooked. Against Atlanta, they put up uh, 43, and uh, in the loss to the Raiders, they scored 33. So. Uh yeah, it's been kind of uh up and down. I, I, I heard somebody uh kind of compare it to the rolling blackouts we had last year in February. It's a rolling blackout offense. It's like sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Um you know, the weird thing in this last game uh against Washington and, and you mentioned uh you know, they, they were one for they were actually one for five on normal possessions inside the red zone. The last one was a kneel down. Uh, at the end of the game. But they got into the red zone. They just didn't score uh, touchdowns. They only scored one, kicked four field goals. And they always seemed to have something go wrong once they got in there. Uh, Kellen Moore referred to it, it drives me crazy. They would have a sack or two sacks. They would have a pressure on the quarterback where he's got to throw the ball away. Uh, They had a couple penalties. They had a drop. Just weird stuff happened once they got inside the 20. So, uh, yeah, they got to clean this up. Uh, and to me, to get this thing back on track, the offensive line has to play better. They need to get some continuity on that line. They had lost Tyron Smith for three games during the early stretch after that. Uh, they had gone 6-1. and one. Um, And then they tried to change uh, guard play at the left guard. Uh, I don't think that worked out so well. Uh, And so the offensive line, it's like, you know, everybody wants to say, well, Dak's not playing well. Well, Zeke's not playing well. Well, okay, but it's the offensive line that causes those things to happen, in my opinion. And they've got to get back with some continuity, although now Tyron Smith's going to miss this game. Uh, He aggravated the ankle injury that he had previously, uh, and they'll have to make an adjustment there. But, yeah, uh, they got to get going if this team's going to do what it wants to do.
5: Mickey, this year it seems as though the mixture between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard has been a little bit more Pollard than what we've seen in the first few years of his career as they try to edge him forward uh, to be more involved in the mix. As it's going now, what is the pattern? That the Cowboys use in changing these guys in and out.
4: Well, they they'll they'll have um, designated plays uh, to bring Pollard in, and now with knee, with uh, Zeke, you know, having a little problems with the knee, you know, he keeps playing through it. Uh, they try not to overload him, uh, and then every you know so often they'll give Pollard a series. Uh, But it's not like putting Pollard in there solves their running woes. Uh, It still causes a problem. You know, the game, he had the 58-yard touchdown run, uh, and everybody got all excited about it. Uh, But he had, like, uh, other than that, his other seven carries went for two and a half yards. Uh, So uh it's great if you can spring those every once in a while but it's not like he's out there pounding it away and and you know taking over the 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 running back job uh so i think the you know the way they're doing it um really gives them a one two punch and, and and you know Zeke runs at one pace pollard runs at a different pace and i think the change up really surprises uh, the defenses, and that's what happened in that New Orleans game when he had the 58-yard touchdown run. It's like he got on the outside and the Saints' safety figured, okay, I got the angle, I got him. Well, he misjudged Pollard's speed, and and, and Pollard ran right by him. Uh, so I, it's a good one-two punch that they've got going now if they can just consistently run the ball and I mean you don't have to run it more but they need to run it more effectively and to me that's on the offensive line to start creating better holes well, Mickey, I want
1: to piggyback off of your point about the offensive line because you continue to bring that up, and I think it's a fair point. It seems to me, not just this season, but in years past, every time Tyron Smith is out of the lineup, the Cowboys look to be a completely different offense, and he's missed three games. They're one and two without him this season. You mentioned he's definitely out this week. How are they going to go about filling in for him? I know they have Terrence Steele as an option. They also have Ty and Seki. and why do you think – the removal of Tyron Smith impacts this team so much over the last few seasons
4: because number one he's so good. Uh, number two, they really haven't had uh, credible backups to replace him. Now Steele was, you know, was the first time when it, those three games he missed for him to play the left tackle spot. You know, he was an ro- undrafted rookie last year, played right tackle for him. Uh, and, and he struggled, and, you know, predictably so. Uh, but he came back stronger, uh, and, and I think more prepared to play in the NFL, and he did a better job when he was playing for uh, L.C. Collins at the, at the uh, right tackle spot. So they moved him to left, and, yeah, it, w- it was a, a, a little bit of a shock what happens over there to him. But then he settled down. Uh, so, yeah, you mentioned him, you mentioned Ty Nasecki, I think Steele's better than Niseki. Uh, Naseki's kind of at the end of his career. You know, he's been in the NFC East before. And so this time around, uh, if we're just looking at how they did it logically last time, you would think that Steele uh, would be back out at left tackle. Uh, they really haven't had a full practice. I think the Giants did the same thing. The Cowboys had a really light practice on Wednesday. And we'll see more today on just maybe which way they're going at left tackle. But if if I was using my logic, I would think it's Terrence Steele.
5: <laughs> One other thing on the offense, Mickey, before we flip it to the other side. You know, you look at those receivers, Lamb and Cooper and Wilson and Gallup, each of them have had at least a 100-yard game this season but it's Dalton Schultz the tight end who is second on the club in number of receptions how important is he to what Prescott's trying to do does he look at him like when the Cowboys of old looked at Witten as the security blanket in key and troublesome situations
4: they've used him an awful lot and after they lost Blake Jarwin um, this time uh, yeah, the, their other tight ends really aren't pass catching tight ends. I'm not sure if they're blocking tight ends either. By the way, um, but yeah, he's kind of been the tight end target, and uh, yeah, he's been pretty good. And you know, if you watch this last game, uh, that's what Dak was trying to do when he get, when he got picked off for the pick six there when they were trying to close out the game. They ran one of those reverse boots to the right, and he was looking for Schultz and. He had a, a defender in his face, and he should have thrown the ball on, into the bench, and he tried to fit one in, and he got picked off. But uh, they have gone to Schultz in some of those critical situations, short-yardage situations, uh, on the goal line. He's been awfully good, too. Uh, so, yeah, that, and it's not a – you know, I think it's a lot of it, people are surprised, but last year because the Cowboys were so pitiful at 6-10, and 10, uh, he actually, after Jarwin you know, tore his ACL in the season opener, he ended up with 63 catches, uh, and there's not a lot of tight ends, not named, you know, Witten or, or Novacek, that have caught 63 catches for the Cowboys in their history. Uh, so, yeah, they've relied on him uh, quite a bit, and it gives them uh, a, a, another alternative for team against teams that maybe want to double-team some of their other wide receivers, and especially having another receiver come out of the slot uh, along with C.D. Lamp.
1: We're talking about Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com as the Cowboys and the Giants meet for the second time on Sunday. Mickey, I want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball, and that probably has been the most impressive facet of this team based on how they performed last season, which you hit on. Since they last played the Giants, it seems as if a big storyline is the reinforcements that have come back. DeMarcus Lawrence is back. Neville Gallimore is back. I know Randy Gregory played in the first matchup. He had missed time. How much more dangerous, how much more continuity has been showcased on the defensive side of the ball with Dan Quinn since they've returned some of those notable players?
4: Yeah, uh, a whole heck of a lot. Uh, and, And really this last game, uh, really showcase what they're capable of doing. You know, the the the, the previous game, you known Demarcus Lawrence had come back, but that was his first game, and he played limited snaps. It was his first game since the, the season opener, uh, and and then they got Randy Gregory back. You mentioned Gallimore back, and all those things. Having two defensive ends to play together like that, the way they projected. Uh, really, really can make a difference, especially now they've got the, the chess piece of Micah Parsons. You know, he doesn't have to just line up at left defensive end or right defensive end on whatever plays. They can create a five-man line. They can line four guys up, Lawrence on one side, Gregory on the other, and stand up Parsons in the middle, uh, you know, behind uh, the defensive tackles. Uh, and and offenses don't know if he's coming, if he's dropping into coverage, if he's shadowing the quarterback, or or if he's you know sitting there at middle linebacker to play the run. Uh, so it's given them a lot of alternatives of how to use Micah Parsons, uh, and boy, he's been awfully good too. So to have all those prior to this last game against Washington, uh, Dan Quinn talked about uh, having all those guys back on the field because. Previously, all of them together had only played 28 snaps, and that was all in the season opener. So, yeah, uh, you would think, with you mentioned the word continuity, if they get all those guys back on the field together uh, a second game, a third game, uh, it, it, it'll, it'll create some problems from a pass rush situation. What they can't forget, though, is to stop the run. Um, and, and that has been a problem the Cowboys' defense has had over the last couple of years. Uh, they got to be able to stop the run. They can't just worry about putting pressure uh, on opposing quarterbacks the way they did against Washington. Uh, you know, not only creating a bunch of sacks, but boy, they beat up Taylor Heineke pretty bad.
5: Mickey, the other superstar name that's just flashing the headlines over the course of these years, obviously Trevon Diggs. Now, he had six interceptions in his first five games of the season and only three picks since. Is this because teams are starting to figure out what he's doing or maybe they're just staying away from him?
4: You know, it's probably a little bit of both. But normally, you know, I know we think when that happens, well, then they got to stay away from whoever he's covering. Well, if you're, he's covering your best receiver, are you going to stay away from your best receiver? Uh, I don't think so. I I just think it's the way, you know, the balls have come up. Uh, You know, he's mad at himself because he thought he should have had another pick uh, on the Sims touchdown, the 43-yard play uh, with Washington this past week. He was right there. As a matter of fact, he had his hand in the ball, and Sims just went up a little bit higher and grabbed away from him. Uh, so I don't know that teams are staying away from him. I, I think the quarterbacks are aware of where he's at and what he's doing. And, and maybe if they're staying away from him, it's a credit to him on his coverage on wh- whichever wide receiver he follows. Now, he doesn't follow all the time. It just depends on their game plan and maybe the receivers they're playing. Uh, but, yeah, he's pretty – you know, it's one thing to cover, but it's another thing – To catch the ball and that's what he's good at you know he's a former wide receiver uh and and he and he really has good hands and he has really good instincts on following the flight of the ball uh so i think that's what uh has made him so good uh over his second year in in the league his ability just to judge the ball uh you know a lot of times that's why guys are cornerbacks right they don't catch the ball they don't (laughs) You know, so they say, okay, you go play corner, right? Uh, so, but he has that innate ability that it's something I don't think you, uh, you can teach. You know, we do a podcast. One of the guys on our crew, Everson Walls, who played for the Giants at the end of his career, uh, keeps remarking about how he understands how to not only catch the ball but track the ball. Uh, and, 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 and he, Everson says, yeah, he kind of looks like me at times. He knows how to go get the ball. Uh, and I keep telling Everson, I said, you know what? Your single season record is going down. Uh, he had 11 his rookie year, right? And, uh, for the Cowboys and no one in the league has had more interceptions since 81, when he had 11 and got two to go. And, And Everson's pulling for him too. And I told, I told Walls, I said, you know what? If this kid keeps getting interceptions, everybody's going to know your name and we're going to finally get you into the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
5: I'll tell you what, Mickey. Diggs may have a little bit better hands than Everson, maybe, but he wasn't as crafty. You tell Everson that Tino said he was the craftiest s o b he ever saw. <laughs> okay,
4: I, I'll, I will do that, and I guarantee you he'll agree with you, too. <laughs> I know he
5: will. <laughs>
1: I also think it helps, though, that Diggs has some history as a wide receiver before he got to the NFL, so that's probably a big reason why he's been opportunistic. Mickey, before we let you go, speaking of Diggs, this defense has been extremely opportunistic, 27 takeaways, 20 interceptions. The other number that jumps out to me is they've got the best third-down defense in the NFL this season. You mentioned they've struggled to stop the run, but why is it that despite that, They've been so effective on third down, and that has been an issue for the Giants in terms of sustaining drives. So how do you see that matchup playing out, given Dallas' strength on third down?
4: Yeah, I think it's been uh, their increasing ability to put uh, pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Uh, They've been able to, uh, you know, generate that pressure, even without DeMarcus Lawrence on the field, uh, you know, for, for only three games now. Uh, they've been able to do it with other guys, and, and I think it's a credit to Dan Quinn on how he's adjusted uh, to get, not having star players using other guys, and then I I can't get away from the impact Micah Parsons uh, has made uh, on this defense, and not, not just with his play, but with his nature and how he carries himself, and and I think other guys feed off of him, and he's got this uh, he's got this innate ability to make a play when it needs to be made. Uh, you know, they were, they were in trouble in that uh, Saints game, uh, and, and Taysom Hill tried to roll out to, to throw a pass, and, and Parsons didn't bite on the fake, and he was chasing him, And I think Hill thought, well, I'm a pretty good runner. I can get outside. And all of a sudden he just zoomed and, and nailed him. Uh, I think, from Hill's uh, standpoint, unsuspectingly. Uh, So he's got this knack to make the plays like that when they need a play. Uh, So I think that has really juiced their ability on third down because they can use him in so many different ways. They can rush him as a defensive end, like I said. They can put him in the middle, rush up the middle, and, and he may not be big enough to rush up the middle, but he's quick, and the center and the guard can't get to him and then in this last game, uh, if ever anybody watched the game, Dan Quinn basically created a five-man line, which meant one-on-one blocking. And if they, if they didn't go one-on-one, then it took up a tight end that couldn't go out in the pass pattern, or they had to keep the running back in to make sure that Parsons got blocked. So I think he's had a lot to do uh, with their increased ability to stop teams on third down.
1: He is Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey, greatly appreciate the time and the insight, and we look forward to Sunday's game. Thanks again.
5: Thanks, Mickey.
4: Absolutely. Great to be with you guys. Thanks a lot.
2: Hey, Giant fans, taking all the action of Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giant suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Now, Bob Papa's weekly conversation with Giants head coach, Joe Judge. As
0: always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge and coach. Obviously, all week long, as you get ready for today's game against the Dallas Cowboys, you guys have been dealing with COVID-19 issues like a lot of the teams around the National Football League. Talk to the fans a little bit about how you were able to handle it during this week.
6: Well, the first thing is, you know, the caution you have to take in terms of, you know, what you allow your players to do when the surroundings are in. So, yeah, you know, I'd say some of what we did was also accompanied by some protocols put up by the league this week. So we came in on Wednesday. That was more of a normal day for us before everything started popping up and really hitting us. And as the day went on, we had some guys with symptoms, not only for COVID, but also came back to some flu once they tested negative for COVID, that we had to make sure that we trimmed back our meeting time. We spaced guys out. We moved everything mostly outside, you know, to get guys away from each other. The next part was we went virtual on Thursday. And what that means is we meet in the mornings all through zoom like everyone else kind of does through business stuff we meet on zoom we share the install we go through tape and then we let the guys drive over here we go right to the field we practice we take a break we go back and we recap the practice tape make corrections over zoom again and that's kind of become normal business for us over this last year year and a half whatever it's been Uh, but like anything else you'd rather be in person that's better for you and then we got there friday and One of the decisions we had to make right away was we had all the players back in the building. That was really per their request. They got tired of the Zoom. They wanted to be in. We spaced everybody out. And within new NFL precautions, we were all in our indoor facility in the bubble, which we've set up the entire way for meeting rooms from the beginning. So for us, it wasn't really an inconvenience. Uh, But about 10 minutes into the start of the position meetings this morning, we started getting reports on multiple COVIDs coming back positive, some guys with flu symptoms. So be with you, I just pulled the trigger and, and canceled the meetings at that moment. We moved outside. We made it just a you know kind of teach on your feet walk through. Spent about a half hour or so getting the install for the red right area in there. Talked about two minute, and then we got the guys out of there. We did some Zoom meetings from about you know 11 to 1, and got them moving on through the afternoon. You know, it's it's some you know, gymnastics. You got to juggle a little bit. You know, we talk to the guys all the time about you know just making sure that we adjust whatever's you know possible. And uh, we talk to them all the time. Hey, look, our model around here is adapt or die. So Whatever comes up, we gotta figure it out.
0: So you got the Dallas Cowboys in front of you today, and uh, <clears throat> you know this is a team that you know can run the football with the combination of running backs, and then you take a look at the quarterback and the weapons that they have on the outside, and you throw Dalton Schultz, the tight end, into the mix and what he's brought to the table. What are some of the key things, no matter who's on the field, that you have to do to slow them down offensively?
6: Well, to me, it's always starts with stopping the run. And that's true with just about any team in the NFL. When you talk about this team, you know, between Zeke and Pollard and that, you know, just tremendous offensive line they have, you've you got to stop the run. Because if you don't stop the run, they can play balanced and really keep you, you know, guessing throughout the game with their boots, their play actions, their screens, and their shots down the field. So you've got to try to make them one-dimensional. And you've got to do a good job to put pressure on the quarterback. And when you can put pressure in his face, it changes a little bit of his accuracy, changes some of his decision-making and gives you an edge right there defensively. So you got to win up front with the run and the pressure. And On the back end, you've got to stop the ball from being thrown over your head. You have to limit the deep shots down the field. They've got some explosive skill players. You know, we're very aware of who they are and how they can make plays. We've got to make sure that we go ahead, whether it's Schultz or the receivers or the backs out of the backfield, we know where they are and, and the plays are used in.
0: Coach, um, you know, we always talk about when, when the, a lot of people talk about the Cowboys, they talk about Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, the running backs – <clears throat> defensively, though, they've been extremely disruptive and they're doing a great job on third downs. They're number one in the NFL in third down defense, giving up at just under 31 percent. What has made their defense noticeably better, especially, you know, over the last couple of weeks when they've struggled offensively, but they've made game changing plays defensively?
6: Well, i said say the factor to me is speed. And that's the difference this year in uh, their defense and last year. These guys play fast. You know, obviously they added some guys in the all season. They really dedicated their draft entirely to defense. They added a lot of talent. They had a lot of speed. That's the thing they do is play a lot faster up front, a lot faster, more opportunistic on the back end. You talk about the third down defense. That really comes from their early down defense. And they fly around. They use a lot of movement on the front. They cl- cancel gaps out with stunts and games. And what they do is they get you behind the sticks. And once it's second and long, you're more in a passing situation. And they treat that more like third down. So it creates third and, down, third and long situations They'd really do a good job in his long yard situations where it takes time for the receivers to get down the field, get open, of getting after the quarterback. They play press man on the outside. They really attack you. It buys time for the front to get home with the pressure on your quarterback, and they force teams into bad decisions. Really, they're, they're living on turnovers right now, and now that's things they generate from their front and the back end tying in together. But right now, they have 27 turnovers. They're at the top of the league or one of the teams at the top of the league. They're doing a great job. That's really by keeping you behind the sticks making you play a certain way.
0: Coach, finally, uh, Michael Parsons has had an outstanding rookie season. He's been extremely disruptive, 27 quarterback hits, a bunch of forced fumbles. How much do they move him around to try to create matchups
6: for him? Yeah, Dan's doing a really good job right now moving this guy around. And uh, we all knew he was going to be a very, very good player when he came out of the draft. He's definitely you know, taking a lot of jumps as a rookie and making a big impact. But, you know, especially when they get to their third-down packages, you know, where they move him around, whether it's in stack for a blitz, where they mug him up on a guard and get a one-on-one matchup against a lesser athlete or they put him on the edge and use the speed off the edge for it. But they'll use him in games. They'll straight rush him. This guy's got a very unique skill set in terms of being a stack backer with very good speed. But he also has a very good edge skill set to lean, dip, and power on through your edge and get to the quarterback.
0: Coach, best of luck. I know it's been a tough week for you and your staff and the entire organization, but we appreciate a couple minutes and best of luck. All right, thanks,
6: Bob. Appreciate it, man.
2: That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. We thank him, Mickey Spagnola, and Billy Price for joining us on this special game preview edition of the Giants Huddle podcast. And don't forget to tune into the Giants Huddle right after the Giants-Cowboys game for our Rapid Reaction podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time.